Unbound Theatre presents The Chronicles of Professor Chronomier From the Depths Written by Dario Knight and performed by Erica Sanderson Chapter 4. The Tunnel In the early hours of the morning, as frost formed on window panes and a fine fog seethed through the streets, Astrid and Elwood made their way out of the factory and towards the centre of the city. With them were three other enforcers whom Beric had selected for the operation, Waylon, Morland and Rhys. Waylon was the youngest of the three, a slim man with neatly parted hair and vivid blue eyes. Beside him was Morland, muscular and surly, but with an impish grin beneath the clipped moustache. Rhys, the eldest, had a face deeply lined with marks that could pass for lines of age or scars of battle. Waylon and Rhys walked some distance ahead of Astrid and Elwood, who strolled arm in arm as though they were a couple heading home. Morland followed behind, his heavy footsteps pounding the pavement. Astrid looked ahead as Waylon and Rhys turned a corner, then glanced back at Morland. Elwood tugged her arm. Eyes front, he said in a kind but firm tone. I know, Astrid muttered. Elwood took out his anomaly detector and looked at the illuminated screen. Still the residue of a signal. We're getting close. Astrid's mind wandered back to the factory, where an hour ago Commander Berwick had summoned her to her office. Berwick had beheld her new recruit, suited up and armed, refusing to stand to attention but holding herself with confidence. "'Used to battle, girl?' Beric had asked. "'I've handled myself in enough tavern brawls,' she replied. "'No wronging when you see them, then.' Beric was testing her. Back on the quiet streets, Elwood and Astrid caught up with Waylon and Rhys, who were standing at the entrance to a building site. Morland was soon with them, keeping a careful eye on the surrounding streets as Waylon took a weighty box from his pocket and placed it on the locked gate. The device let out a high-pitched tone and suddenly the gate was gone. Waylon caught the device as it fell through the air and then ushered the others into the building site. No sooner were they inside, there came a sound like air rushing to fill a void and the gate reappeared. Waylon saw Astrid's eyes were wide. Short-term temporal displacement, he grinned. Good for a second or two. Right then. Morland growled, pushing towards the front of the group. Let's find the little runt. Rhys took his own scanner from his pocket and checked for temporal signals. He's down in the tunnel, he said simply. The men moved down a flight of steps, past a pile of packing crates bearing the name Central London Railway. Astrid paused, watching the four enforcers. Elwood realised she was lagging behind and turned back. Coming? An hour before, in Berwick's office, the commander and Astrid had been sat either side of the desk. Beric's face was troubled, and there was silence as she considered what she was about to say. We have been searching for 6049 for over a month, she'd explained. By now he could be deeply ingrained in Oscar's life and we're none the wiser. 
We've been tracking temporal distortions, leading search parties every night. Her eyes clenched as she recounted the futility of their operation. And we're losing officers. Astrid said nothing. The professor had taught her the power of letting someone talk. Six operatives so far. Most picked off during scouting operations. Others seem to be specifically targeted. We were prepared for 6049 to fight back, but this is something else. He knows where we're going to be. He's laying bloody traps. You've got a traitor in the ranks, Astrid surmised. Beric took a shaky breath. Clearly this was a matter of deep embarrassment, and confiding in a relative stranger was difficult. Only someone on the force could pull this off. Who do you suspect? A knock on the door had snapped Beric back to attention. At her command, a man had entered the room, and Astrid had been instructed to prepare herself for the night ahead. As she closed the door, she'd glimpsed the man sitting down and handing some gadget to Beric across the desk. Deep in the tunnel beneath London, Elwood, Morland, Rees, Whalen, and Astrid arrived in a large hall littered with mining equipment and building supplies. Welcome to the central line, Whalen grinned as he cast the light of his torch around the room. He glanced over at Astrid to clarify. Underground railway. I know what the tube is, thanks, she responded, recalling her recent excursions in the 21st century. Elwood chuckled as Whalen blushed. Pack it in the pair of you, Reese warned. The boss wants a result, not a romantic comedy. Beric wants the money, Morland grunted. You what? frowned Astrid. 6049's got a hefty bounty on his head. Elwood explained as they moved slowly across the hall. Who put it there? Astrid asked. Never you mind, said Rhys. What's the betting Beric takes the lion's share once the job's done? Wayland sneered. There's always a few missing credits on her missions. Belt up, snapped Rhys, and the squadron gradually moved apart, covering the different exit routes leading from the hall. Astrid thought back to Beric's office, and the man who'd interrupted their confidential exchange. The device he'd handed her, she thought. Was it some gadget like the anomaly detector? Or could it have been something more? What passed as currency to the enforcers? She was shaken from her thoughts by the clatter of a metallic object hitting the floor behind her. She turned on the spot and drew her blaster. The other enforcers did the same and found themselves collectively looking to the centre of the empty hall. They edged forward and Astrid saw what had fallen. It was similar to the gadget Whalen had used to remove the door, only larger. One of them displacement things? she asked. Something like that, Whalen answered, a look of fear crossing his face. Displacement grenade, Morlan rasped. Run! They each turned and made to run, only for the grenade to detonate, throwing out an expanding wall of crackling energy which enveloped each of the officers. Astrid felt herself falling as the light flashed around her. When she hit the floor, she quickly righted herself and pivoted this way and that, her blaster ready to fire. The displacement grenade had done its work. She was still far below ground, but now she was in one of the unfinished railway tunnels. The torch on her blaster helped guide her along the passageway, her heart thumping and her breathing tense. The sound of running footsteps echoed behind her. She span on the spot. She could see no torch beam ahead. Was it one of the enforcers or the editor? She considered her next move and ducked to the side of the tunnel, hiding behind one of the girders jutting out from the wall. The footsteps were getting closer. She readied herself for an attack, but before she could move, the sound of a strangled human cry rang out. She paused, and the scream was drowned by a thunderous crashing filling the tunnel. Astrid jumped out from her hiding place and ran towards the sound of the scream. 
The beam of her torch revealed a mound of earth filling the tunnel ahead. Part of the ceiling had collapsed. She slowed her pace and looked up cautiously, but was unsettled to see that the tunnel was still intact. Knowing whoever had screamed must be beneath the debris, she began to claw at the earth. Gradually she uncovered a human hand. Pausing to swallow her fear, she pulled more dirt and rubble from the body and gasped as the face of Rhys emerged. She placed a hand to his neck, but there was no pulse. More footsteps sounded behind her and she grabbed her blaster. Stop! she screamed, twisting to aim the weapon towards the approaching figure. To her surprise, she found Elwood standing not far off, his own blaster aimed at her. He lowered his weapon as he took in the scene, then ran forward and knelt beside Astrid. No, he whispered as he saw Reese. He immediately began digging the dirt away from his fallen comrade. It's not good, Astrid warned before looking up at the ceiling. The brickwork was pristine. How? she frowned in disbelief. Where the hell did it come from? It can't have... She stopped when her gaze fell upon Elwood. He had found something among the rubble. It was a displacement device. The wall had been removed for all of a second, but it was enough time for the rubble above to bury Reese. Astrid held out a hand to take the device and noticed that her fingers were dripping with blood. She looked for a wound. Perhaps she had caught herself while she was digging. There was no injury. Remembering how she had searched for Reese's pulse, she knelt down and inspected his neck. It was wet with blood, dripping from three puncture wounds arranged in a neat line. The scream before the avalanche made sense. He had been attacked, and the ceiling brought down to cover the act. What the hell is going on? Elwood muttered. Astrid did not answer. She stared at the three cuts on Reese's neck, and returned once again to the memory of the commander's office. On the desk there had been a dagger. A dagger with two small points either side of the central blade. The same pattern as the knife that had killed Reese. You've a traitor in the ranks, she had told Beric. Only someone on the force could pull this off, she had replied. The Chronicles of Professor Chronomier, From the Depths, an unbound theatre production written by Dario Knight and performed by Erica Sanderson, with music by Kevin MacLeod.